My name is Barry Siragusa, and this is the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. Join us as we go deep discussing hounds and everything hound related with the men and women from around the globe who've dedicated their lives to hunting with hounds. We ask them about the game they pursue, the breeds they run, and to get their insight into what it means to be a modern-day houndsman. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Leave us a comment and subscribe wherever podcasts are available. What kind of pups are these? Um, actually, we're having a German short-haired litter pup right now. Oh, cool. Yeah, wow. so I've been I just actually ran back up here from the kennel. Kind of have a little whelping center set up for him down there where we can regulate the temperatures. Sure, sure. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. It's a little bit stressful. It's always stressful. You think after raising, <laughs> I don't know how many litters of pups we've raised now a lot, and it always, I I don't very, I don't sleep very well when I know that we're having pups. I'm usually up in the middle of the night checking on them. And, right. I mean, we had a, just in the last, just in the last two days, we went from like 85 down to 61 degrees today. So it's just crazy trying to keep. Is that right? Trying to keep moms warm and pups warm and. Yeah, that makes it that makes it tough. How are those? Um, like the what what breeds do you tend to breed? Because you've got the you've got your own line of Brittany. Yeah, our, our major focus is on the German short hair pointer. Yeah. Okay. And then are we they, do the Brittanys as well. Right. Are they pretty self sufficient, or or do they need yeah. tend to need help when they're well? No, they don't need help. I just I'm just kind of yeah. overprotective. You know, sure. It it's actually better if I can set up. My biggest concern is just temperature, room sure. temperature, and too hot, too cold. You know, you you learn a lot. You got to remember a dog's body's internal temperature is around 100 degrees. Yep. One 100 to 101, 102, something like that. So when we feel like it's 75, 78, we feel comfortable. But a brand new puppy that's just born, it's just you can they can catch a chill really quick. So yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I can see that being a bigger, you know, a bigger problem than uh, than with the huskies. I mean, even though it, when they come out, there's really not a huge difference in either in size or in length of their coats or anything like that when they're born. But, huskies are born with a pretty short coat. Oh yeah, real short, and yeah. you know, it, it takes it takes a few weeks before they get that kind of they poof out and start to look like proper huskies. Right. Um. The, you know, things like German shorthead pointers or greyhounds or something like, you know, something with a real short coat, they're born with a slightly shorter coat, but it's so, it's so minimal that, um, I'm surprised that there's any, I, I'm a little surprised that there's as much of a difference as there is. Cause you know, the Huskies, you know, I've, I've had litters that were born in, you know, while I've, while I've been, while it's been really cold. Yeah. And had no no problems no, like very no problem. very very low you know um mortality rate once they're once they're actually on the ground yeah that's good which has been i've been really really lucky with that actually so yeah i had a couple that's good i we um it's better off if we can just get mom settled in the room temperature and have a a pig rail on that whelping box mm -hmm. and then just kind of let her do her thing yeah. you know 
a first time mom, maybe I'll I'll stick around a little bit. But a mom that's had a litter, yep. Usually, I've been really fortunate. We've had some really good moms. We've had one or two moms over the years who like we bred them a bitch, and it was like, yeah, you're not having another litter. You're an idiot. <laughs> like, like you won't lay down and let your pups nurse. You're nervous. You're stepping on them. You're bouncing all over the place. And it's like, right. no, we don't need to reproduce that. So right, right, yeah. It's you know. It's funny how that works where it seems like everybody has these qualities, not just in bitches, but in dogs in general, where you may have a perfectly papered dog. You may have a dog that right. functions perfectly out on the trail, but they've got some quality that it's just like, nope, not nope. going to happen. Yeah. I had a litter from, it was out of a female that was out of my two best dogs ever and a male that was out of. It was it was a line breeding, so out of the same the father's line, so uh, not out of the father, but out of that line of dogs. I bred them back to each other, and it produced this really fantastic litter of dogs. However, the mother was such an idiot that it's you know of the I've had probably thirty litters the last twenty five years, and wow, of the four or five puppies, and it's not more than that, four or five of them that have died after that first initial sort of. 12 hours after they've been born right um which even that number has been really low but you know two of them were her just like flopping down spread eagle on top of yeah. the entire litter it's just like, right oh man but she got she got removed from the uh she got removed from the gene pool real quick um yeah you know not not that it's, that that actually sounds really brutal we, it, we didn't do anything to her we just we, right. we took her out of our breeding program because she was such a terrible right. mother. Yeah, I, I've only had one, two females that 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 I, you know, that we were like, yeah, we're not going to allow you to reproduce. One and, you know, for whatever reason, yeah. One 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 of them was super protective, uh, to the point where she was like wanting to bite me, you know, and it's like no. And she was perfectly fine outside of that. But whenever she, that one time that she had that, the litter, it was just, it was complete chaos with her. And I was like, no, this isn't worth your mental state and it's not worth my stress and it's not worth, Sure. Yeah. I mean, she was just super protective to the point where she was laying on pups because she didn't want anybody close. So she was always pulling the pups in so close and then laying on them and yep. crazy. You learn a lot of. But I've been fortunate, knock on wood, man. We've found a couple of lines that are really good mothers. I mean, once you good. get them, once you get them here and and get everybody situated, they produce milk really well and they mm. they mother well. I did have one other mom that was just she didn't keep her pups clean, you know. She just yeah. she just wasn't a good mom. It was just like you're a great dog, but you are not a mom. So didn't you, care. yeah, we're not. Yeah, she didn't want. After four weeks, she was just kind of like get rid of these things let's go hunt yeah you know, i don't, yeah. don't want to do this anymore i had a litter that i needed to wean early and by early i mean they they were probably done being weaned by six weeks yeah which is not, e not even they must have been closer to five which is i mean that's early you know they're starting to kind of get weaned off but usually that's about the time where i'm introducing solid foods and things like that right but um you know a mush for them to eat but right you know she was just such a, a, a horrendously bad mother <laughs> just horrendous 
that it was there was just no question. It was like, okay, she's I'm gonna need to take her away before Yeah. She does something uh <laughs> she does something stupid. It was too bad too, because she was also like of all of the litters I've ever had, that was the biggest. She had eleven. Wow. And then was just a total train wreck. Yeah. Total train wreck. Like would would bite she would be eating and if the puppies crawled after her, she'd get real protective of her food and be right you know so one of them got this big cut on its face because <laughs> she bit after him and just you know like i always thought that was i think that's always funny some moms are just goofy that way you start like you're saying you start introducing mush and you're feeding her over here in the corner or even you take her out of it mm-hmm. but like one day you're like oh i'm just gonna feed her in there real quick and you feed her and she's Brown at her own puppies and it's like geez mom like they can't even eat the kibble yet just relax just, right. chill, out. just chill out take a take a chili pill here yeah yeah but that's exciting man that's yeah, exciting got litter pups coming we got a couple more coming and cool are those fall is in the air are those german short hair as well yeah yep yep, yep. i think we'll breed six to eight litters of german short hairs a year and then maybe one litter of britneys and a litter yep. of hound we did a litter of hound pups this year, um, but we probably won't do a litter of hounds for until we need more dogs. So. Sure. Okay. So you, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense because the German short hairs you're you're producing for more than refilling your own needs. I should think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're producing for the public. I mean, we're yeah. probably one of the largest kennels in the country, consistently producing at that level, and really just because of supply and demand i mean sure. we're flying dogs i would say the first six or eight years we were in business we flew 60 percent of our dogs east of the mississippi okay. so we produced a lot of dogs out for the east coast cool yeah never never thought i'd be in the breeding the way that we are now but yeah well, that's we put exciting. together a program so yeah that's exciting it is that's exciting yeah wow it's take, taking a lot of work man a lot of work yeah, producing good, producing good dogs, and you know, not it, th- that takes a lot of work. It really does. Uh-huh. People, I, I was having a conversation with a with an older uh, gentleman, Lloyd Lloyd Gilbertson, yesterday, yesterday or the day before, I guess it was the day before. Um, and he did the best litter of huskies that has ever been done, I think, in terms of versatility, where. You know, there there have been people who have created, who have done some fantastic litters for that long distance distance or that right. sprint distance or that middle right. distance, you know, stage race type of thing where they're going 50 miles a day instead of 150, you know, things like that. Right. But nobody's ever done, to my knowledge, nobody's ever done a litter in modern, in the modern area where all of the puppies ended up being bomber and not only were they bomber but they ended up in all of the different disciplines right and ended up at the top ended up at the top like all the way at the top winning at those at those disciplines that's awesome and i talked to him a little bit about it and just like the amount of time and work and energy that went into creating that litter what is just unbelievable i mean we're talking years of preparation and and um you know i've seen the same thing with us you know we we needed a little bit leggier dog 
to deal with the snow conditions here. We have so much snow. And all of that breeding we had to do to get to the point where we were consistently producing that leggier dog with the mental toughness that they needed to break trail. Right. With the with the back legs so that their back legs weren't, you know, clipping their front legs as they were trotting, you know. <laughs> Things like that. It just, there's so much you got to think about. And then at the same time, we still needed to be able to live with these dogs. So they needed to be, you know, decent individuals. It just, you know, it, we, it, we became so picky. Oh, yeah. About who we were breeding to that it, and at some, there were a couple of times where it was like, you know, if I don't figure this out here pretty quick, I'm going to need to give up because, <laughs> like, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to settle for something because I, I can't, I can't be this picky because I wasn't finding what I was looking for. Right. And then, you know, luckily ended up finding it. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I wish that more people took the time to do the really good breedings and didn't necessarily yeah. just breed what they've got kind of conveniently hanging around. Yeah. I mean, we went on the hunt for years. Yeah. And you're still, you're still trying to tweak it today. Sure. You always got to be trying to improve. And be open-minded to what else is out there, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, because you can create a line, but then, you know, realistically, you've, you've only got a few generations before you're going to need to bring something else in, and then you need to know. Right. You know, you, you've got to be ahead of that process, and you really, realistically, have to be five or six years yep. previous, you know. Kind that, of, we were really kind of fortunate. We took three lines at the beginning and just, basically wove them together and that's the which is really nice because if we need a little more drive or a little more intensity i know i can just go grab the dixieland line and bring it back in a little bit hotter you know i need oh i need a more i need a dog that's going to retrieve a little bit more okay i can bring in the nomars a little bit thicker and so you're always just constantly trying to weave you know we got heavy on the hustler side there for a little while and i was like okay we're getting too too relaxed not enough drive in the field you know like just mm -hmm. kind of like okay cool i know exactly how to fix that and right so it's pretty neat that is but really yeah you've, cool. you've yeah. always got to be luckily we i it's a kind of a blessing in disguise that we had all three of those lines and they were all pure enough that it was like simple to weave them mm. worked out well worked out really well yeah cool that's exciting yeah puppies are puppies are fun I love they are fun. I we get a lot them. of questions about puppies and about how to raise them and I'll bet you do. A, a, a lot of questions uh well most of the questions start there at that 8 week mark, right? It's like what shots do I need next? Mm. What food do I use? You know, what can I do with them? What shouldn't I do with them? Where should I take them? I mean, we get so many questions like that. Yeah. It's just crazy. It is, you know, and <clears throat> that's the I think that's something that for people who are producing for more than their own immediate kennels needs, mm -hmm. when you start selling puppies, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's a source of stress and work that I think most people are not aware of. Yeah. Is just, yeah. Getting all of those questions. Right. Just people you know, you sell a pup and you think, oh, eight weeks, I'll have them sold. I'll have the money in my pocket. It's going to be awesome. It doesn't work out that way. You end no, up, no. you sell them at eight weeks and maybe it takes you two weeks to get, you know, for everybody to actually come and pick them up. People, pat, people back out. You need to put them out. You know, you need to right. go down your list and then you've got 
you got six months of people calling and being like, well, Call he's, uh, he just sneezed a little hard. What, maybe, does he have pneumonia? It's like, no, no, he's, he's, he's fine. You know, he's fine. So yeah. The panicky phone calls from. Yeah. New, and I get people. Right. We, we've kind of catered to that group for the last six years, seven years yep. of a lot of the first time buyers. And maybe it's because we're a little more approachable. I mean, I've talked, I remember talking to some of these older gentlemen that we would call them and talk to them about their bloodlines. And it was almost like the conversation was pretty brass. It was like, this is what it is. You want it great. You don't get the, I mean, you know, they're just, don't, they're just kind don't of, waste yeah, yeah. don't waste my time. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to know? It's like all oh, my website. If you want to, it's just like, okay. Yeah. But I, I understand why those guys are that way. Cause if you bred dogs for 30 years, you would get to the point where it's just like, did you do any research before you called me? Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did you, did you, did you talk to your vet at all before you called me? Like, did you anyway? Yeah. But it's all good. I think we've catered to those people long enough that we have a take home package and everything. It's, it's yeah. good. I, I would really like to get, we started, we, we shot like 200 short films, like two minute clips oh, wow. and just training and, you know, how to get them in the house and all that. And I've got to get that, the post edited part of that done. Yeah. So that people have a resource they could just plug into, you know, oh, that, that's, I gotta, a, that's huge, man. Yeah. You definitely need to do that. <laughs> that's yeah. <awesome. laughs> it would make it so much easier when somebody calls or emails or texts. It's like, oh, here, here's the link. Right. You know, plug yourself in. Right. Figure, yeah. Absolutely. And then they could self teach a little bit. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a great resource, man. That's, yeah, I've got to get that done. On your pups, when um, ha have you learned anything now being kind of in the vet side that would that you would looking back you wish you would have known? Um, well, working I, with a little bit in the veterinarian world. Yeah, well, I worked in the vet world before I did any breedings on my own. Um, oh, cool. And and a part of the reason why I worked in the vet world in the, in the beginning was. Uh, because I had gotten into the sled dogs at that point, hadn't done any of my own breedings, had no, I no desire to do my own breedings because right. what I, you know, what I, I didn't know what I wanted at that point in terms of, you know, that sort of end product, total, total package dog. And I was, um, tr just trying a bunch of different things as, as I figured that out, but I wanted to be able to take better care of them. I wanted more knowledge in terms of, in terms of their overall care. Um, which right. is why I started working, uh, gosh, how old was I? 16, I guess. Not, no, oh, not, wow. even, not even that. 14, 14, 15. Gotcha. Um, just as like in a, uh, you know, cage cleaner at a vet right. hospital and, you know, sort of gradually, gradually worked up to, you know, doing some assistant type stuff, vet tech type stuff. Yeah. So I misunderstood a little bit because I think I thought you became a vet tech after you had your accident. That's I did that again. That's when full. I went back to it. Yeah. Oh, you went yep. back to it. Gotcha. Yep, for sure. That makes so, sense. But you know, yeah, there's, there's stuff that I, there's stuff that I learned during that process that really put me in, a, in good stead when it came to the, the litters that I had later. You know, one of, one, a couple of the things was that we, we found that you could almost guess which dogs were going to need to have a cesarean or we're going to need that sort of birthing help mm. when they first came in to be, to have an ultrasound on. Really? 
And it wasn't because of the dog. It was always because of the owner. Really? Oh, it, the thing is, it's like if the owner was stressed out and like fluttery and like, oh my mm. God, I'm so excited. I get, uh, uh, uh. It was like this person is going to stress that dog up to the point where that dog is going to actually withhold those puppies. Wow. Because they can do that if, if, they're, if they start giving birth and the situation gets super stressful. Really? They can actually hold on a little bit. And it can create major problems for them. I had no idea. Yeah. That makes it's, a lot of sense, though. Yeah. So if you've got somebody that's suddenly coming in, freaking out, running back and forth, it's total panic. What do I do? What do I do? Oh, my God, it's really happening. Those dogs, you know, not, not all of them. A lot of them can handle it. But it's like, right. this is a good candidate. If you've got somebody coming <laughs> in with a guy who's just losing it, it's like, right. this is a good candidate for a revisit in, you know, 60 days or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> When he's leaving, you guys are like, I got a hundred boxes. He'll be back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, we've, uh, so we've, you know, and that still happens, man. You know, we still have these people that it's like, I would bet you anything that they're, they're here. Wow. And, you know, I guess at that point they're back in three weeks, you know, when we've done the yep. ultrasound, it's like, they're, they're going to be back. They'll be back. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I have a good friend that's that way. And he, he had two cesareans and he, probably stress the dog into into having that exact issue because he was just that way he would just hover over him and i'm like yeah just get her settled get her nested and then monitor you know check in if you need to but don't sit there on and yeah that's crazy yeah it's pretty funny um you know but if if the animals just you know if, if the bitch is just allowed to do her own thing you know it's amazing how often it goes well right you know but then there's that that flip side of of you know wanting to make sure that you know the the red flags you know what is when is it actually appropriate to react right you know and you know if you if you have a dog that starts to press you know the the uh her water's broken mm -hmm. she's you know she's not just doing like the, the those half-hearted like testing testing out you know contractions but like the full-blown contractions right you know, if she starts with those and so nothing's happened within the first, you know, I would probably give it an hour and an, an hour and quite a bit. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you've gotten to the two hour mark and nothing's happened, you know, at that point, she's going to start getting kind of tired, you know, and right. there may that may be an indication that you've got a breach or a dog, you know, just right. monster puppy stuck in there. Yep. Um, You know, then I would maybe start, you know thinking about having a dialogue with my with my veterinarian but that doesn't mean that i'm going to be in there you know poking around lifting up her legs you know <laughs> just poking her in the stomach to see if i can feel you know some right you know alien type thing about to pop out you know it's just you're just just going to be stressing the dog right so you know at that point i would call uh, a veterinarian and just get some you know yeah let them get put some you feedback yeah. yeah exactly and um you know, in all of the litters I've had, I had one where I had one turn into a cesarean. Yeah. And that's out of 30 something. Yeah, I think we've had two cesarean. And then we had one litter that was just one pup, one massive pup, and yeah, he couldn't be that born. Sucks. And that was just that was just goofy. Yeah, that but sucks. Our rule of thumb is um if you don't have any really discharge or any green discharge, hmm. mom's just doing her thing. Yep. If you get green discharge and no puppy, 
then it's time it's time absolutely you know? that's that's then absolutely correct yeah you you've got to some mom's in distress she's not able to uh have the first pup or so like you said something's breach mm-hmm. something's goofy but other than that man just just settle uh i've seen bitches labor for 10 12 hours like pre-labor just Yep. uncomfortable up down moving around nesting dig you know clawing breathing hard maybe having a contraction or two just i this bitch i i walked in the kennel this morning i was like yeah you're having pups today because i could just see her breathing and uh, and i'm like yeah it's gonna happen yeah that's awesome man yeah it's pretty neat yeah and i i absolutely agree with you you know they're gonna be you're gonna be able to tell if you're kind of following if you, you'll be able to tell when they're getting close and you know just because they've gone into labor doesn't mean that the pups are like seconds away from being born and it doesn't mean that if they're not born in a few minutes that it's time to panic exactly you know because um you know but as you say you know if if you've got that green water coming out and that green you know green goop coming out and nothing's happening after that then it's time to yeah it's it's time to do something and um you know, uh, another thing that I really, you know, appreciated was how to learning how to handle puppies immediately after they were born, mm. especially if you've got a pup that's maybe a little weaker. Yeah. But at the same time, you, there's got to be a balance. It's going to sound awfully cold and cynical, but there are some pups that you just shouldn't save. You know, if you've got to work for 25 minutes to get a pup fully rolling, right in some breeds that's going to be necessary and especially when you have to do a cesarean where you've sedated the mother the pups are going to be a little bit you know they're they're going to be a little bit groggy and not not doing so you know not not quite as energetic as you would like them to be Mm. but like a natural birth a a dead puppy you know especially one with a bunch of you know big puffed out head and right you know something clearly wrong or a pup that she's just given birth to halfway and then just totally like i've had females like go out of the kennel or go out of the their birthing boxes mid mid birth oh yeah and deposit a puppy outside and go back to the rest of her puppies and usually i'll find that there's something wrong with that pup yeah and you know it doesn't mean just kind of let nature take its course totally cold and cynical but at the same time there's you know, especially with these working dogs that we have that are so robust and so bred for bred for just robust health. Right. It's it's not often that you're going to bump into some of the problems that are par for the course for some of these other breeds, like you know pugs and French bulldogs. French bulldogs, like, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. Train, you know those train wreck, those train wreck breeds. I've had multiple. Well, not multiple, but it's not uncommon. You know, you'll come in and check on mom, and she's pushed one of those pups to the side, and you're like, hey, what are you doing over here? You know, get over here, and you help them latch on and maybe try to get them rocking and rolling, and then you come back four or five later, and she's pushed him aside again. And it's amazing to see those moms. They know. They know, hey, something's off with that pup. He's not he's not all there or there's something internally wrong. They, they can just, they know, they know when something's not right. They do. It's, it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. It's, um, you know, there've been pups where 
I, as you say, you know, I've, I've not been able to see anything wrong with them. Sometimes they come out and it's just like, okay, clearly there's, clearly this is not going to work. Right. You know, but other times it's like, I, I, I can't see anything wrong. And then, right. you know, I had one where she kept pushing him to the side. I insisted that she take him and eventually she gave in and took him and got him rolling. And he was just, you know, the, the, as he grew, he just got weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder. And I mean, he ended up, he ended up going deaf and blind and had all kinds of like organ issues. And it was just like, not, right. I insisted that that pup lived and ended up creating a, a, a dog with a poor quality of life and a ton of work for myself right? by, you know, not just letting nature take his course. Right. It's per- the whole miracle of birth, man. It's just crazy. It's it just so crazy. It, you sit down and watch a mom have a pup and you're like the first time I remember our first couple litters, like I'm sitting there like, okay, wait a minute. There's a sack on that puppy. And if you just wait a couple of seconds, she'll reach back and right. pop the sack and she'll do everything. And it's just a miracle. It, it's a miracle that they get here and they start breathing and they just do it. It's just, it's pretty neat, man. Life. It's, it's pretty awesome. It really is. It humbles you really fast. Cause you're like, shoot. That pup's got about 20, 30 seconds to get that sack off its face or a minute, whatever it is, yep. and get get kind of breathing and going. And you're sitting there for 10 seconds and you're holding your breath thinking, this thing's dead. It's going to die. I got to get in there and just, right. just sit back and mom will do it all. It's yeah. really fascinating. It is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's such a cool, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing, you know, dogs are just such amazing animals. I, I mean, they are. mammals are such amazing things just the you know the whole idea of giving birth to live living things that are totally dependent on you is just insane to me like it's insane that that became like the dominant like this is the best the best way to do this you know it's right it just seems like there's so many little things that could go wrong and so many things that have to go right and it yeah it's just a miracle that they're here man i mean moms have to have their milk come in and have to be in good flesh and it's just mother nature's it can be cold and it can be brutal there's no doubt about it but it is a miracle it's so neat to see yeah i mean every time you get those little puppies that come out looking like a little mouse and the next thing you know eight weeks later they're running around and full life and full character and personalities and it's unbelievable it really is unbelievable it's um you know, the thought that they can, as you say, come out looking like mice, guinea pigs, you know. Right. And within, you know, sometimes within six or seven months, they're they're showing you promise in the field. It's just unbelievable. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah. It's just an amazing thing. It's a miracle. It really is. I mean, we all we all breed for everything, but it's still. Yeah. 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 I believe there's a, a higher power out there and it's 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 by purpose. You know, it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, people talk about, you know, looking for miracles and, you know, people who, you know, somebody who survived a car accident or, or, or something like that, or fell, you know, fell out of a plane and survived or, you know, whatever. And it's like, that certainly is a miracle. But, you know, for me, it's like, you don't need to look all that much farther than your dog kennel, man. Right. It's like, yeah. it, there's some pretty gnarly stuff that's happened down there and it's just been like wow i cannot believe that that worked out the way that it did right yeah no doubt 
So you've been doing some hunting. I have been, yeah. I've been hunting a bunch. So I've, I've had a, it's been a rough fall, man. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's been, <laughs> it's, it's been rough, dude. I, you know, last year I got rolling with Buzz, who at that point was a year and a half. So he'd kind of had half of a, he, he'd had a full season behind him, but just kind of doing puppy stuff, you know, working, right. working on him. And he'd just gotten better, progressively better as the season went on. And I was really pleased with him. He was just doing so well, you know, went into the full season last year and he hit the ground, just, just tearing it up, just awesome. did such an awesome job. And, you know, at this point in the season, you know, now we're six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks into the season. Wow. At this point we had put, you know, a bunch of boxes in the ground, you know, hmm. and this year it's just not been happening it's it's the it's the damnedest thing i've had more runs with losses and more non-starters already this year than i've had in every in the two previous seasons even even as a pup wow and That's it's weird. uh yeah it's weird man so um you know at first the the very first day we went out um Buzz caught a fox uh, on in this little sort of concave under some roots. Yeah, and hauled it out of there by its tail, and it bit him in the nose. <laughs> Which he's tangled with foxes before, and it's not bothered him. But for whatever reason, that really seemed to bother him. Really. So you know, he chased that one for a while, but he was right on his tail, and at a at a one point, he just kind of peeled off and came back, which he. I mean, he can do, it's not unheard of, but it's like, it was strange to me. He's not done it when he's been right on something's tail. And since then, it's just, it's not been happening. It's like, he's really? not, he's not been willing to go out. He's not been willing to do a proper search. He's, um, yeah, it just seems like he can't get anything started. And, and part of, you know, at first I was thinking that it was because of the, it was the, because of the bite on the nose. Right. But, you know, then none of my other dogs are able to get anything started either, <laughs> which, and Weird. I'm not seeing the foxes around where su we suddenly have, we suddenly have this boom, you know, boomer crop of, uh, snowshoe hares. Really? And a bunch of grouse and things like that, which, you know, more than we normally have, um, which, and I've had a, I've had a camera out for, three weeks now i saw that you put that up yeah, yeah. over a bait pile right which i never do because i don't like to hunt over bait and i don't i don't like to use it but i i i started wondering because i'm not seeing tracks in the mud like i'm not seeing anything here right and i put the camera out. i have not gotten a single fox and Whoa. i put the i put the bait on an area where three different roads and six different trails converge on this one you know <laughs> 200 you know yard stretch of of territory right you know so i could i could go up there any day and drop a dog and they would immediately find something worth worth running right and i've, I've got nothing, nothing nothing on the camera whoa it's the it's the darndest thing um but then he started with this uh have you ever seen them like the reverse sneezing that they do 
mm. where they kind of it's it's almost like an, somebody cleaning their sinuses like that. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about? Yeah. 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 They all started doing that, which is um, it's a good indication that they've gotten um, like uh, what what do you call them? Olfactory okay, wow. mites. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that they had that there was such a thing. Yeah, over here it's uh it's uh it's not a ton of dogs that get it, but that's a pretty good indication. You know, when the hunting season starts, we get a bunch of dogs into the vets because they're not oh. functioning and people are like, Oh, well, I think it's because of you know, nose mites. Right. And it's not. It's just that the dog isn't functioning. You know. Right. And I, I think that that's probably the case here too. You know, they were they were they had some symptoms, but you know, the biggest thing was that they just weren't weren't taken out. So I'm still trying to figure it out, man. I don't know what has gone. I don't know what has happened, but uh, we are just, you know, we're we're out there. We're getting after it. And it's just uh, part of the puzzle. Sounds like your game's not. You don't have like mange or anything going on. Yeah, that's the thing. Is is I've taken some mangy foxes uh, the last few years, and I've been taking them specifically because, you know, what in the '80s Norway had a solid population of foxes, and then in the late '80s. Uh, a mange epidemic swept through yeah. the entire population and reduced it to 10% of what it, us- what it used to be. And since then, the population has built itself back up to right. something ridiculous, like 25 or 30% more than it was when the population collapsed the last time. Wow. And I'm starting to see... I, I, I was seeing more mangy foxes. I was taking more mangy foxes. And I, I'm wondering if that's actually what's happened here. Something like that. Yeah. Your, Is gut, that, your uh, gut starts saying, or your mind starts wandering like, yeah. what the heck? Yeah. Cause, I mean, you know, it, like a year ago, if you'd have had that camera with some bait, how many, how many foxes would you see on a regular basis? I put out a camera, not this past winter, but the winter before. And I put it out in a spot that I'd never had a camera before and I'd never had any bait before and put a put a bait pile down because we were going to do a fox hunting uh, seminar. Mm-hmm. And the first night I had seven <laughs> individuals Whoa. roll through that bait pile and check. Wow. And, that's and, crazy. and any. Yeah. I had seven different foxes on the on the camera. And um they did a lot of logging in this area recently, which made me think that maybe they'd been pushed to other areas, higher up into the mountains, maybe, you know, areas that were a little bit, um, yeah. But then this sort of explosion in small game made me kind of start wondering whether yeah. maybe they weren't as many around. And now I'm just not seeing them. Like I'm not seeing, yeah. fo- I'm just not seeing them. And we're not, we're not able to get anything, get right. anything on its feet and moving. Um, and I mean, we've had, I say anything, we've had a couple on their feet since then. Uh, Buzz has right. not had anything on his feet. Uh, Vietby's hmm. had a couple of good runs. Um, yeah. But it's been up in areas where I have struggled to find foxes in the past, where the, the population has been sort of sparse. Sparse. And, you know, maybe those guys have just not been around down in the valley, you know, around all these other mangy foxes. Maybe that's just, you know, maybe they're up hmm. in the mountains staying away from some of the epidemic stuff because it usually you know usually we'll see that a bunch of them die during the winter after contact right. contracting mange from you know contact with dens or other foxes during that sort of sure. breeding puppy stage 
you know. Right. Um, do foxes get parvo? That's a you really know? good question. I don't know if they do. I don't or actually not. know if they do or not. That's a great question. Because car, we had a, we had something similar with a coyote population out here, and when yeah. they had they had a parvo, kind of a parvo go through, and it, man, it just hammered the coyotes. Yeah, which wasn't a bad thing, but no, no, but it's I know, I know, yeah, like we we're saying, Mother Nature can be pretty cruel, man. It can when, be when that stuff rolls, it's lethal it's, it's so bad it's brutal you know i two yeah i guess it was last winter the winter before last winter i got uh i'll send you a video it's i haven't posted it anywhere because it's so it's so disgusting it's it was right. a fox that um i saw first and dropped vit beyond and she ran she ran into it got it bait up under a this like pine bush and like was bang but looking back at me like really uncertain and was not nearly as close as she normally is mm. and i'm walking in like what what is going on here and i get within 15 feet of this thing and i'm like oh my god what is that smell <laughs> and i see it under there i can see something's up so i kill it right and i walk in there and it the from ankles on the back feet ankles up into the genitals up the tail along the flanks is just this gangrenous mass of necrotic flesh wow because it had bad mange which had then frostbitten and it was just it was the gnar it was the gnarliest thing it was the stinkiest it was one of the worst smells i've ever seen or I ever experienced yeah like and it was bad to the point where vipi was like i am Not i'm gonna that. do my job but this is like you were on your own. <laughs> oh, that poor fox. Good oh, thing you put it awful. out of its misery. That's that's bad. Yeah, it was bad, man. It was really bad. You know, you could see down to the bone. It was it was awful. I cannot that believe. Like I'm, I cannot believe that that thing was still alive. No kidding. That's nuts. Just like a zombie. But wow. So you know, yeah, but maybe... at the same time, you know, I I I always. I don't like making excuses. I'm yeah, I hear you. You know, I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh well the fox population collapsed. That's why my dogs aren't getting it done. You know, I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh well they've got, you know, nose mites. That's why my dogs aren't getting it done, you know. Right. I'm I'm totally open to the possibility that we're just kind of going through this sort of crisis of confidence. <laughs> you know, but it seems odd to me that it's suddenly my entire kennel. Yeah. You know, struggling to get stuff done and it just there's there's a couple of things that seem a little bit odd to me so i'm not going to say I, I i'm still kind of in in the yeah, question stage as far as right. what is actually going on here i'm sure it's probably a combination of a bunch of things um sure but um because I, I do know that buzz is a soft he's mentally a soft dog when it comes to that kind of stuff when it comes to kind of aggression and 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 that kind of stuff you know i, I know mm -hmm. that i can if I look at him and like clear my throat a little bit, he's going to be like, <laughs> okay, okay. I, I'm, I'll stop, you know? I'll, right. And, you know, I'm pretty soft on my guys. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, be banging on him or shocking him or anything like yeah. that. So, you know, but he's always been like that. That's crazy. so easy to train, so easy to correct. I've not needed to, you know, do anything with him. And I, I think that maybe this fox getting bit in the nose, he was a little bit like, well, I'm not sure about this, which, you know, he, 
definitely takes the, even the possibility, the thought that maybe that was the case is enough yeah. to take him out of any, you know, I have mm. no plan to do any breeding, you know, kind of tie it back right. to the breeding thing. I have no plan to do any breeding, but the fact that I'm even wondering whether he's right. soft enough to have that have, can be contributing to his issues is, is enough for me not to want to breed him. Sure. Despite him being, a, uh, having been a very, very good dog for me up to this point. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll get back there, but, um, yeah, you know, I got to have a certain degree of grit and, you know, if they can't, mm. if they can't no handle, doubt. you know, a little, cause it wasn't like it latched onto his nose and he had a hard time getting it off. It's like he had a little paper cut at the end of his nose and that was it. <laughs> you know, it's not, it wasn't catastrophic injuries or up, at, you right. know, and injury up a nostril or something like that that could you know it's just like a little cut at the end of his nose yeah so we have a dog named yeller who at this point has zero fear of cats zero like he he could care less okay <laughs> and if we get him in a slow a low tree or the the cat doesn't tree very high mountain lion um this last winter <clears throat> he he somehow shimmied up in there and he, if he can be face to face, he don't care, man. And I remember, but I, you know, talking about that, I remember when he was a pup and he did get right face to face with his first cat. And that first cat just wham right across the face, you know? And it's like, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, <laughs> he's either going to fold up or he, and, and or he's going to amp up. And right. He's it's going to make him mad or. Yeah. He's either going to rise to the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> and man, he got hit in the face and he just went berserk. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes those dogs, they get whacked or they get bit or they get smacked and they cower down. Yeah. Uh, but so my best dogs, it's like when they get hit, they just go to a whole nother level of right. pissed off. It's just yeah. like, look out, dude. You just, anyway, he's to the point now where Hanky's like four, three and a half, four. And he just, he's missing half an ear. Right. Um, we put a bear in a hole the other day and he was in the hole with the bear. And I'm pretty sure the bear clamped onto the top of his head, like literally had his head in the bear's mouth. Yeah. Because he had a big old gash here. Underneath here, it just ripped his bottom, like right next to his juggler, just laid yeah. it open. And then big old cut up here. I'm like, the only way that I could think of that happening is you literally had your face in that bear's mouth. Like, <laughs> oh it's, my gosh. it's almost, it's almost to the point where it's like, not if, but when that dog gets killed, sure. he's going to make, he's going to make a mistake one day. Right. A cat on a ledge or a bear in a pinch and he's going to get stomped. But right now he has zero fear of cats. Like no big deal. Right. <laughs> Which is, so, it's just crazy. Some dogs, you're like, oh crap! It's just that moment that you're talking about with Buzz there, where he gets clumped on. It's like, oh man, is this gonna just piss him off, or is it gonna like shut him down? Yeah, and in, in in Buzz's case, you know, I was right there when the whole thing happened. You could see by his whole body language, he's like, screw this, man. <laughs> yep. And that's you're Which, like, I mean, oh, and that's no. that's totally that's totally legit. You know, I can I I can't um, you know he was. I, his, his dad was, uh, a nut, you know, just like, you know, tear foxes limb from limb. No problem. No problem. You know, his mom is, is hard and, you know, Buzz has been this really talented dog the whole way. So I've, I've kind of been waiting for them to, for, you know, a problem to pop up. And 
and that it was this one, <clears throat> you know, especially after getting the plot pup right. and seeing the difference there, it was like, okay, you know, I, 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 I didn't expect this to happen, but when something f- went wrong, it was like, it makes sense to me that it's this thing. Yep. You know, and that's, that's legit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm new to this. I am tr- doing what I can to set them up for success. But when it comes to just sort of bottom line, what do they have inside? Right. I can't do anything about it. No. And, you know, I'm totally willing to accept the fact that he, you know, that, that may be it for him. You know, he may be, yeah. he may have decided after, you know, a brilliant two years that <laughs> I don't want to take the risk of getting bitten on the nose again. And if he's that much of a wimp, then that, then that's fine. I mean, it, right. I, you know, I love the dog, but if you're going to wimp out on me for something that trivial, then I, I don't need to be out there with you right now. You know, right. I can put my energy towards, towards another animal and, you know, without being, without being angry about it, you know, it's, that's, that's sure. the thing is it's like, you know, I, Obviously, when it first when it first happened, you got you have these feelings of like, damn, man, you know, I set you up for success. I tailor made like all of this for you. Right. And we're doing so well. and You're going to flake out over something like that. You know, you start to right. like feel like, you know, start to get into your own head. And or I, at least I do, you know. You yeah, know, you do. No, you it's do. It's so easy I to think... be like, well, you you owe me, damn it. You know, you're like, <laughs> come on, like, I wasted all of this time. And, you know, the reality on, of the situation is it's like, yeah. He doesn't owe me anything, you know, right. and I don't, <clears throat> but on the flip side, you know, I don't, I don't own him. I don't owe him anything. You know, we've, we, we had a good, we've done it as long as it's worked and, and I'm not giving up on him. You know, we're going to, no, we're going to get sit- out there. I'm going to yeah. wait for the snow, put him on some, you know, drive until I find some tracks, see what happens then sort right. of really kind of determine whether he's fully flaking or whether there's just not much out there. Not much game. Yeah. Um, and we'll take it from there. But, um, yeah, I definitely having seen the plot, seen how he's reacted to, you know, uh, some contact with some bigger game moose and things like that, getting kicked in the face. And then (laughs) it just, it's exactly what you said, you know, four and a half months old, got kicked in the nose by a moose. Right. And I'm having the worst time now breaking him of moose. Right. Because it just, it like turned on. It's, it's like they're either going to wimp out. Right. Or they're going to go into like this hate fueled overdrive. <laughs> and he is just like, Moose, I hate those guys. I'll get them. Yep. I'm going to get them. I'm going to go kill this thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, oh, shoot. It's the damnedest thing. So he actually, <laughs> uh, the moose hunting season started here on Saturday. And um, on, the, uh, on the second day, I got a calf over a pup. I saw that photo. That's way yeah. cool. Which was really cool. It was a great, it was a Norwegian Elkhorn pup because awesome. we, we hunt moose with, with dogs here. And the, the ideal being that you've got a dog that's not going to, not like the hounds where they really run them to ground mm-hmm. or run them hard, but you want a dog that's going to bark, keep them distracted, but push them towards you. Really? So that maybe they're, they're moving through the forest to kind of stay in front of that dog, but they're not galloping. They're just kind of, cruising through the forest right and then that dog is going to be annoying enough so that they're going to be kind of like have their focus behind them gotcha and not so they're gonna you know like what happened with this one is you know this calf rolled up with its mom and the cow stopped 
And I think she sensed that there was something close by. I think she sensed that I was there because the wind was swirling a little bit. Gotcha. So she had this moment where her ears went up and she did this like half scan of the area, looked like dead at me, didn't see me, and then looked back to sort of where am I in terms of this dog. Right. And then, you know, that was a long pause that gave me ample opportunity to knock the calf down. Gotcha. Um, but it was really cool because, yeah, this was a nine-month-old puppy. And then two days later, they shot another moose for this, for this pup. And I got the message that the moose was down. So I met them up at the, um, uh, up at the cabin where we do all the slaughtering. Uh-huh. And I was in the process of slaughtering this moose. And my phone started to ring. And it kept ringing. It's like ring. You know, it just... It just so clearly somebody was calling me multiple times yeah they needed to get a hold of you right so i you know one of the guys pulls it out of my pocket turns it on puts it to my ear and i'm like and it's kaya it's my wife and i'm like what is going on she's like if you want another moose dan's barking <laughs> and he like he's lo- he's losing it right now he's losing his mind <laughs> he's losing it right now yeah he's trying to shoot through the chain link fence Oh yeah. i was like okay i'll send somebody down so two of the guys go down there and there's a cow and a big calf like a big ox calf wow so they 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 go out onto my porch and shoot the calf from the porch no way yeah holy cow they go down there and the calf the shot was a little high the calf definitely would have died but they're like eh, you know whatever so they put one in its head it's totally gone. They put it in the head, like the reverberation off of the valley. And then they're both like, do you hear that? And they turn around as the cow comes screaming out of the woods. <gasps> angry as all get out. Oh, shoot. So they both turn around like. <laughs> and she, you know, being confronted by both of them and having this raging lunatic in the background. <laughs> he was like, OK, I'm done. OK, and, I won't. And, and left. But yeah, he's, he's just got this, it was, it was a crazy experience. Like the kids watched the whole thing and, and it was wow. just like, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not allowed to use hounds on moose here. Otherwise I think I'd have a, you know, right. Died in the wool. That is, <laughs> moose that's dog. nuts. He could say he, he sent those. Oh, for sure. It, they were right there close then. They were, they were probably a hundred yards away. Wow. But we had a good. You know, it was a blowing across a field, so right. fairly good scent conditions, you know, fairly moist, not too cold, not too warm. Like, it's just like, <laughs> just and perfect. he knew they were there. Yeah. And he knew they were there. <laughs> oh. But it's the worst thing, man. Cause like I, at this point I've got to wait, I've, I've got so much training that I want to do with them right. and I'm doing, I'm doing like, I'm doing a lot of training with them. It's just not, it's not trailing specific right. because I can't let him go. Yeah, you cut him now, he's going to go find a moose. Right. That's exactly the issue is that if I don't put him on exactly what I want him running right now, he's going to be right. like, okay, well, there's plenty of moose around here and I hate those guys. So I'm going to go and find one. You know? I'll go find one. Holy cow. So I've That's had to pull nuts. him off two, three moose at this point. Wow. And uh, so I'm going to need to wait for the snow. I'm going to need to wait until I can put him on and, right. and, so and be able to get, want. yeah, and be able to get him off sort of establish what he's running real quick and get right. him off 
you know. Um, so is it pretty common to take a calf moose? Is that pretty common for? Over here it is, yeah. Because what, you know, it's it's a quota. Um, it's all set up by quotas and terrains. So you've got, you've got these sort of uh, hunting territories. Right. That you apply to be able to hunt on. And um, you have to apply as a team. They've got to be a minimum of five people. Hmm. And you apply to be able to hunt them with dogs. Really? And when you get, uh, when you get a terrain, that terrain is accompanied by um, a sort of a bag limit. Gotcha. And not only the number of animals, but what type of animal you're allowed to take. Oh, really? Yeah. So they'll specify a calf. Then. Oh, big time. They'll, I mean, really? and they get real specific to the point where it's hard to determine what you're looking at. Wow. Like they'll, you can have a, you can take a calf, you know, in, in some pl- cases you can take a calf and an ox, which I mean, those two things are easy to see. Gotcha. But then other times you're able to take a, like a heifer, like a, a, a young female, uh-huh. but not a cow. So you need to be like be able to tell the difference between a fully right. grown cow that's never been bred versus a cow that's been and it can get kind of convoluted and complicated. But I bet it's one of the reasons why it's nice with the dogs is that um, you know usually you've got ample opportunity to look at the look them over and see look you know over. what what you're doing. So we had on our on our terrain, which is right uh, I live up in I live in the middle of it. So, uh, luckily, um, we had a calf, a heifer, an ox, and then a, uh, one animal that we could, was kind of a, whatever, whatever you want, you know, the one, gotcha. the one sort of wild card animal. Right. Um, and that is, th- those numbers are dictated, not necessarily by the people who are renting out the hunting areas, but. Are, are is is based off of um what like do they call science of the biologists or they yeah the, the biologists, biologists are putting together know. what what they what quotas they want met in certain terrains and... exactly yeah you know if an, an area with an uh, overabundance of ox you know of, gotcha. of a bull moose or bull moose you know um area with uh, an overabundance of twin yeah. calves things like that hmm. they'll try and they might try and thin that out a little bit you know, especially when you get to the point where an area has so many of them that the that the average size is starting to go down. Really? Because that's a funny thing too is that you end up you end up getting you know areas where there are so many of them that they start competing for food. For food. And then you start getting that low low weight on the on the calves. Right. Low body fat they start to struggle through the winter, things like right. that. So, you know, they, this past winter we had, uh, most of the adults survived, but we had a higher rate of calf mortality this past winter because of deep snow and some like horrendously deep snow and some very cold temps. Gotcha. Um, so this year, um, they are having us take, more of last year's calves gotcha and leaving more of this year's calves Makes because sense. last year's calves are going to be stunted anyway 
they had a real rough season, real rough dry summer with very little food, a lot of competition, and then a really rough winter. So they're small. They're you know we shot, you know we shot last to put it to put it into perspective. We shot last year's calf yesterday or day before. Um, so a, a a heifer from last year that weighed a hundred kilos, which is I guess uh. 225 pounds yeah but then the calf we sh- the cat this year's calf that we shot off of the porch right was 160 pounds wow so you know within within 60 or 70 pounds of each other which shouldn't be the case you know right it the, the realistically you know that that animal should have been closer to you know closer to three 300 pounds you know there should have been 100 pounds 150 pounds between the two of them right so yeah so we've gotten three of our four animals so far and um one of the local one of the neck one of the uh hunting teams in the uh in the area i don't know whether their hunting got shut down or 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 what happened but um they their quota was apparently sort of dealt out to the neighboring terrains so now we've got another, we've got an ox left and another free choice. But then the team that I'm with are really sort of aware of what they want in terms of development in the, um, Oh, gotcha. And one of them is a retired, um, biologist who actually hmm. like, he was the one that made these quotas, you know, he, it used to be his responsibility. Gotcha. Um, you know, so we'll we'll take the heifers, we'll take the calves, we'll take oxen. But unless a dog has, uh, unless a dog is doing really, really good work where we feel like we really need to, really need to back this dog up and give it that kill. Right. We won't take, uh, cows. Cows. Yeah. Probably doesn't hurt the herd to take a bull then as, as, as ox, what you call bull, same thing. Yeah. Sorry. It's, it's, it's it's the same. Yeah what they call them over here an ox right. but yeah it's a bull moose. that doesn't yeah. yeah a bull uh like a big mature bull that doesn't really affect your herd i, I would imagine no you know on the flip side though you, you kind of want to give them a chance because that's what we're seeing now is that we're there's a lot of small bulls hmm. and the problem with the small bulls is that a lot of times they'll they're kind of later on coming into the breeding gotcha. scene you know they're getting their butts kicked by some bigger bulls, but you know the it it seems like they're not able to cover the bigger cover. bulls are not able to cover everybody. So we're ending up having a lot of small young bulls procreating. Gotcha. Which is also not necessarily the best thing in terms of size and you know robustness of the whole overall herd. Right. So they are they're encouraging us to take more of the sort of small smaller small you know which is still a big animal it's still, still such a huge animal i mean there's so a lot of meat a lot oh of... they're so huge yeah i mean <laughs> you know a small bull is still going to be 400 pounds you know it's like they're, yeah they're huge that's crazy man they, i have never hunted moose that's crazy there it's so it's so crazy i've done it i've done it before but i've never i've never shot one and i mean even you know even the calf that i shot i mean the thing was 
five feet tall at the shoulder. I mean, it's they're 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 enormous, and this right. is like a little guy, <laughs> and he's just they're so huge. It's right. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, they're they're so massive. Right. So, yeah, I've been I've been enjoying that a lot. You know, it's it's uh, it's something totally new for me, and it's uh, hunting over a different type of dog than I've been hunting over before. And I, right. it's it's really cool to see the dogs work, how they work differently than 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 the hounds. Sort of some similarities. It's it's been really really interesting. That is cool, man. Yeah, you sent you sent me that picture. I thought, wow, I don't know anything about that breed or how they work with the work with the moose or anything that's pretty neat yeah they're they're a cool little breed and, the, and there's a couple of them you know the 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 breed that i prefer um is the swedish elk hound which is quite a bit bigger um longer legs a little bit just in terms of overall conformation if, if from my dog mushing background just seem right. to be a little bit better put together gotcha a little less blocky, a little bit, you know, better range of motion in their legs and things like right. that. Um, and they'll put down an individual dog. Yep. And just kind of move the moose, maybe even try to bring him to you, huh? Do they um, train the dogs to do that in a way? There's been times where, you know, dogs definitely do do that. But most of the time what's happening is it's more like a, it's more like a driven hunt kind of slow bay type thing yeah it's kind of like this driven thing but without having a bunch of drivers you've just got the one dog and then you post hunters gotcha throughout the terrain gotcha um and the dog will you know they'll ideally what ideally what happens is that the dog will find a moose get it up and and moving but then get put enough pressure onto the moose that it starts to get irritated right and then get that moose to turn and stop, you know, Oh, where the moose will turn around and the dog is not going to be like, a, you know, like Dan would be, you know, this raging lunatic in its face. Right. But it's going to be, you know, 20, 15, 20 feet away. Right. Doing rings around it, just barking and being irritating. So that moose might st stand there and be like, I don't, I'm not afraid of this. This is really annoying. Right. I might try and stop this thing. <laughs> and then right. what happens is that the moose just becomes totally absorbed in what this dog is doing. Right. Which gives us the opportunity to then sneak in and get a get within shot where while the moose, you know, get within shooting distance while the moose is, you know, otherwise occupied. That's probably really effective. It's super effective. It's it's a it's a cool thing. It's a it's I it's bet. cool to watch, you know, and um you know, but it's like you say, it's, there's almost all of these pups hit the ground and are all about it until cool. they get that first moose turning around and being like, you know what, you've, you, I, I'm going to come after you now. I'm going to stomp you. Right. <laughs> and then they're like, you know, so many dogs and it's, it's heartbreaking to watch because you know, you've got the GPS, they've got the collars on and everything. It's like, right. oh, they've, they've got one stopped. You can see them doing the rings. You can hear them off in the distance. And then, you know, you might hear that, <clears throat> <clears throat> that grunt. Right. And then you'll see the dog just start going back to the truck. It's like, <laughs> oh, we knew what happened there. <laughs> Lars, Man, that's... Lars needs a new dog. Lars, <laughs> once that happens, will they, will they ever go out and do it again? Will they go out and search and bay like that again? Oh, some of them will. Um, but 
it, it becomes rare. You know, you can still use a dog like that. If, if you've got a dog that's willing to go out into the forest, you can still use a dog like that. But then it becomes kind of a flushing deal where you're flushing things, you know, gotcha. in front of you. And then you're going to kind of be hoping that the moose goes past right. one of the posts and you shoot it, you know, from right. not, not, not at a standstill, but sort of as it's right. rolling by. Um, so, you know, you can definitely still use a dog like that, but it's much less effective and it's, it's not going to be nearly as, um, yeah, it, it becomes a much more primitive use of the, of the animal. Right. Yeah. Right. That's cool, man. They breed those dogs specifically for that then. Specifically for moose. Yep. That's cool. They're, they're called the, like in, in English, they're called the Norwegian elk hound. Right. But, uh, they have nothing to do with elk. It's, um, over here, the moose are called elg with right. a g gotcha so it's a it's an english bath like an yeah an, an bastardization of of the norwegian word for moose right um so they're you know it's a norwegian moose hound is, is basically what it gotcha. is yeah the guys that hunt like red stag they yep. don't use those type of dogs or do they um some of them can during or we can use those type of dogs during the moose hunting season gotcha because they're out there anyway and then it's like a but during the rest of the season most people use um a an even slower type of dog really because the red stag they can be they're flighty enough you know the moose will sort of stop and be like i'm i might take this thing i don't know if it's worth my time to be running right now Right. The red stag, they'll light out and they'll be gone. I mean, they're, they're gone. they'll go for 30 kilometers, you know. Right. 30 kilometers. They, you know, they'll go for 10 miles. 10 miles, yeah. Um, so if you've got... Which you really real don't sweet, want. You don't want them to fly out of the country, I guess. Right. And, you know, also ideally when they pass you, you would love it to, for them to not be in a full-blown gallop, you know. So they'll use much, uh, smaller dogs with much shorter legs. So they'll use like those... Uh, those Griffon Bassets, it's right. those little gold wire-haired Basset hounds, and the wire-haired Dachshunds, the Teckles. Gotcha. They'll use those, and um, and then they've got this other type of Spitz-type dog. You know, the pointy-eared, pointy-nosed, like the Norwegian Elkhounds are are Spitz types, like you know, Finnish Spitz type of dog. Right. Um, they've got this other type of a little black Spitz type dog that will that will lead you silently in to huh. they'll yeah follow tracks smell in the air they're kind of and truck le entry. yeah lead you in to where the the red deer are and then you can take them there so th that's that's, a, that's something i haven't done yet that i would really like that to try. would be way cool to watch yeah it's really cool i'll send you some videos it's, it's pretty fascinating to watch it's a little bit yeah. like those australian guys that teach their dogs to find deer for them but not make any noise you know it's, right it's it's pretty neat man it isn't that, isn't that cool there's so many different breeds doing so many different things and it's so specific man it's crazy right it's like how how could you get all of these different hunting dogs and they're all like legit hunting dogs but they do it in such a different so different many different ways it's ways. unbelievable yeah that is fascinating i mean you get stuck you get pigeonholed in the bird dog world and you just look at those and you fit i mean you're it's all your heart and energy and time just to keep that going. So I, like some of these hounds I've never even heard of, like that's right. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. It's, 
it's pretty it's fun i've 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 been enjoying just kind of experiencing these different types of dogs different types of hounds different types of you know ways of hunting i enjoy hunting in all of its forms most of the time i like to do it over dogs right um you know but hunting something you know hunting big game is so much fun um you know hunting you know hunting bear or cat you know it's it's, it's fun right um you know but there's just there's something so there's something so strange about hunting moose over dogs over dogs you know like the the you know, you, you obviously get you can you you can eat the meat off of off of bear and cooper you know i mean it's right they're good eating but having having a you know cow sized bigger than a cow sized animal brought to your feet by a dog is 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 unbelievable you know one of those will fill the freezer of you know four people for the year right Right. you know it's it's a they're they're amazing super valuable i mean that's crazy I, I'm to the point where I grew up hunting mule deer. Yep. And now with hunting hunting with hounds and dogs, it's not it's not even near the near as fun. Right. Any any type of hunting I can do with a dog, it just it's another dynamic that makes the hunt even that much more enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. The uh you know, I, I like hunting. I had a lot of fun. You know, I took a red stag a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, and that was just spot and stock type stuff. It's fun, but right. I always have this feeling it while is. I'm out spotting and stocking where it's like, I kind of wish I was together with my hounds right now. Yeah. How can I get my dogs involved in this? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I've got a buddy that's taking his short hairs and he's, uh, he's got the one dog trained that they hunt elk and he just stays at heel the whole time, but it's like an extra set of eyes. And then if they shoot an animal you know he's technically not supposed to track the track that particular animal with the dog but that dog's helped recover so many animals uh his buddy shot his buddy's wife shot an elk two years ago and wounded it and the dog went down the canyon up the other side and just kind of sat there and bathed that elk until they could go over there and finish it off and it's like that's awesome you know he's taking a, a short hair that has but that dog knows now a rifle comes out of the scabbard and it's like, where, what are we hunting? You know, right. like, what are we looking for? What are we doing? Sure. What are we looking for? Yep. Where's the animal? That's it's awesome. just so cool to see. It's pretty neat to see, you know, that he's like, really I'm not cool. going to leave, leave him home. I'm going to teach him the dogs completely silent, but sure. has helped him recover a game and be more oh, effective. That's, it's that's pretty awesome. Neat. That's awesome. Do you guys, I, I know there's a couple of people over there that do the sort of wild, uh, you know, game recovery stuff yeah. with, with tackles and, you know, a couple of different things. Um, do you guys have any kind of requirements for that over there that you have to have access yeah. to a recovery animal? Yeah, there's different regs for different states and different areas. And I'm not real familiar with what with, with that, you know. I know I've listened to some of the podcasts lately about recovery animals in like Texas. That's a big one. You know, they're down there hunting some of those big ranches and they've paid a lot of money for that. And so it's kind of cool to hear those stories, but around here, it's, I, I'm not real familiar with the laws and regs. I know it's pretty tight what you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it's 
you're not supposed to do this, not supposed to do that. The, the list of not supposed to do's is 5,000 things. And so it's sure. like, I've never, I've never even messed with it, but um, yep. yeah, it'd be interesting to figure out because yeah. you could help a lot. You could help a lot of people recover a game uh, that so many. was otherwise lost. Oh, know? for sure. I mean, here, here it's a requirement. Is it really? You have to have a written agreement with somebody with a wildlife recovery. Um, that's animal. interesting. That's actually really cool. Yeah. So if like, for example, when we're moose hunting, if we shoot something that doesn't go right down, the whole team stops hunting. And then we don't start hunting until three days has gone by where we haven't found the animal. If we haven't found the animal within three days, then we can continue hunting. Wow. But you have to put in three solid days of looking and and within the first, it's a set number of hours. I think it's four hours, five hours, something like that. You need to have reported to the the person who has the the game recovery animal. Gotcha. That you have a possibly injured animal that right. you can't find. Gotcha. And then they come out. You know they they're they're paid by the fishing game to come out and recover that animal. Huh. Or if nothing else, you know at least confirm at least confirm that yeah. it's you know unharmed or you know right. not mortally wounded not wounded to the point yeah that's interesting it's it's a cool thing so but the other thing is that you know it it, it makes people super cautious about the shots or not everybody but m- most people you know <laughs> the good the good the good hunters it makes them really cautious about the shots that they take right because you know that if you can't just be like well i missed right and keep trucking you know you you know that if you if you shot at something, even if you're sure that it was a, you missed by a mile. Right. You need to look for that animal until the dog finds it and it is declared healthy. Healthy. Or three days, whichever comes first. Gotcha. So you've lost, you've lost then three, potentially three solid days of hunting, not right. just for you, but for your entire team. Right. So you need to be spot on, don't you? You really need to be aware of what you're shooting at, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to waste their time. Yeah, nobody wants to be that guy, you know, the one guy amongst <laughs> 12. It's like, well, sorry, guys. I know we all wanted to meet this year, but uh, we need to go look after, you know, we need to go try to find the 100-pound calf that I slung a shot after. Right. You know, it's just like, oh, man. It's, oh, it's shoot. It's a bad deal. Right. It's a bad deal. Well, man, you got some more hunting to go do, right? Yeah, more You're hunting go... to do, and I'm not going to do it today. It's pouring rain, and the team, uh, the team is going to give the uh, give the dogs a break. Gotcha. Um, we've been going pretty hard since Saturday, um, but I'm going to get out, and, or yeah, go and get my kids ready for school and take them to school, and then cool, uh, man. yeah, do some uh, do some around the house stuff that I've been neglecting during the moose hunting season. Right. <laughs> I know how that feels. Good luck with uh, good luck with your pups. Send yeah, uh, send some pictures when she's all done. I will. I all will. right, dude. Okay, be good, man. Thanks a lot. See ya. Yeah. All right. Man, I love that sound. <laughs> <laughs>